0: I just have to find uh, the best place to stand so that I can see as many of you as possible. I think this is probably about it. And uh, if I shift left and right a little bit, I should be able to uh, keep eye contact with most of you. Some time ago, I remember my youngest nephews and nieces looking at a picture of their, the wedding picture of their grandparents and remarking, how beautiful grandmother used to be. (laughs) They were about five, six years old when she died at the age of 86. And uh, yes, life had changed her. And Adeline's uh, father, when he passed away at 94, at his funeral, people repeatedly said to the family, what a gentle man he was. And yet his, uh, his own children remember him in those younger years when he was full of energy and got a lot accomplished. He had a lot of drive and a lot of power. Life does change us, and there are various factors that contribute to this. Time is one of them, and I don't want to go into all of those, But faith, I believe, is also a factor which affects us and changes our life. And the passage which uh, Frank read this morning is our sermon text today. And I would like to look at it from a slightly different perspective. I don't want to do a verse-by-verse exegesis of the text Uh, Rather, I would like to use it as an opportunity to see what what effect Simon Peter's faith had upon his life and what changes it brought uh, about in him as a person. You'll remember Simon Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was called an apostle along with the other 11, and uh, he was quite a colorful character. He was uh, uh, right in that circle of the other disciples as they repeatedly in the Gospels were arguing among each other, trying to decide who was the most important of the disciples. Who was the best? Who loved Jesus the most? Who really deserved that place at his right hand? And uh, two of Peter's best friends, John and Andrew, they took this uh, whole discussion a little bit further. They sent their mother to Jesus. And uh, with the request of, when you set up your kingdom... Can one of my sons sit on your right hand? That's this one, right? And the other on your left hand? And uh, Jesus would not accommodate her or her sons, but this was the kind of people that Jesus had gathered around him. This was what the disciples were thinking of, so much so that as Jesus told them that he was going to be crucified, And that he would uh, come to life again after three days. They didn't even hear it. Never mind understood it. Because they were so consumed with this question of who's the most important. And uh, this same Peter now writes in the text that, uh, that Frank read, Simon Peter, a servant... And apostle of Jesus Christ. You notice the absence of adjectives like the best, the foremost, the most important, the greatest. Those are all missing. Peter doesn't even say Simon Peter, the servant, the apostle. He simply says Simon Peter, a servant. A apostle and I think this is an indication of a change in Peter's attitude he no longer needs to define his identity by comparing himself with everybody else he doesn't have to be the best disciple the greatest apostle he is quite comfortable just being a servant and Apostle of Jesus Christ, just being himself. Towards the end of uh, his life, the Apostle Peter was said to have worked in both Rome and Asia Minor. And the churches there had some Jewish members within them, but not all of the people were Jewish. A lot of them were Gentiles. And the people in Peter's time, the Jews in Jesus' time, they often thought of these Gentiles as not even being worthy of God's love. And most of Peter and his friends would never even have thought of sharing God's love with them. And yet, while Jesus was alive and they walked that country with him, they several times accompanied him into Gentile areas. There was the time when they walked through Samaria, an area which most Jews would rather have taken a long detour around. And Jesus and his disciples, they spent two days there, teaching the Samaritans how to worship God in spirit and in truth. They went up to Phoenicia, to Tyre. They went across to the east side of the Jordan River and watched Jesus help needy people. And yet, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension back to heaven, it took God considerable effort to convince Peter that it was okay to go to Cornelius, the centurion's, the Roman centurion's house, to eat with him, to teach him the gospel, and to baptize him. And Peter, when he went back to Jerusalem, he had to justify his actions before the other leaders at the church in Jerusalem. And yet it was this moment in history... That was crucial. It was this experience which broke open the church from being simply a Jewish community and opened it up for all the rest of the people in the world. Peter, he gave up his nationalistic concept of God God ceased to become just a tribal God. And in Peter's practice, God became the God of the entire world. In experiencing this change, Peter did not lose his sense of nationality. He did not lose his love for his Jewish ancestry and its history and heritage. The good in Peter's character grew. His identity remained the same. The weaknesses were not eradicated, but they became less obvious and less prominent. Peter was becoming more and more like Jesus himself. One of My favorite remembrances of Peter is his passion for Jesus. You'll remember that passage in uh, John chapter 6 where many of the disciples had turned their backs on Jesus and left. And Jesus turned around to his 12 disciples and he said, Are you going to leave me too? And it was Peter who, in his spontaneity, said, Lord, Whom should we go to? You are the Christ. You have words of eternal life. And Peter and the other 11 disciples, they stayed with Jesus. But Peter also had an agenda of his own. He wanted Jesus' divinity to become part of the nationalistic dream that he and probably most of the other disciples and many of his Jewish compatriots have. That dream of liberating Palestine, Israel from Roman domination and the Messiah should chase them all out. You'll remember After the resurrection, when Jesus was walking down the road to Emmaus uh, with two of his disciples, they didn't recognize him, and they were telling him in their sorrow all that had happened, how Jesus had died, and they said, and we had hoped that he would deliver Israel. That's how all of them thought. They thought that Jesus would now, as the Messiah, chase the Romans out of the country, set up his kingdom. He himself would sit on his throne and the disciples would be his cabinet. And uh, Jesus didn't oblige them. He didn't allow them to misuse his divinity and divine power for their own selfish goals. He died, was raised to life. He had a different agenda. In this text this morning, Peter writes and he said, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And Peter knew from his experience with Jesus those three years that Jesus could provide everything necessary for life. He had seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law who'd been ill. He had seen Jesus take that little packet of lunch and multiply it and feed 5,000 men and their families. He had seen Jesus raise people to life. Peter knew that Jesus could do anything to make life possible and to provide for life. But now Peter was realizing that Jesus divine power was available to him not to make a spectacle of himself, not for political ends, not to fulfill his own desire for power. No. Jesus' divine power was available to him for godliness, or available to him for godliness. And uh, he says that And describes in our sermon text how that godliness is to be attained. Allow me to read it for you again. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Allow me to summarize what Peter so beautifully expresses here. He is saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers us forgiveness. And this forgiveness is received by faith, and when we receive It, by faith, we become sons and daughters of God. And the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. He doesn't just live with us, but he lives in us. And in this way, God's divine nature becomes available to each child of God. not to make a spectacle of ourselves, not to impress other people, but to enable us to live life the way it was meant to be lived, in a way that reflects God's own character. God has come to live with us so that we might face the circumstances of life with him so that we might successfully meet the challenges which any day might bring to us. Peter says, add to your faith goodness knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love. He says, these are the things that God is giving you through his spirit to enable you to live the way God has meant life to be lived. Remember, it was God who created us in his image sin has marred that and through jesus peter says god is repairing what sin has marred and he's not saying just pull up your socks try a little bit harder peter is saying remember god has given us his spirit god himself is wanting to help us to live life the way God had meant it to be. Peter, in the Gospels, was always, or usually, the first one to speak, the first one to act. He was extremely quick in his responses. He was spontaneous, Remember that time when the disciples were in the boat without Jesus and it was storming and Jesus appeared to them walking on the water. You know, and you have to imagine yourself in a boat in a terrible storm and you're you're horribly frightened and all of a sudden somebody comes walking along the water. And Peter, recognizing that it was Jesus, says, Lord, if it's really you, I'm going to climb out of the boat and come to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter, unfortunately, averted his eyes from Jesus to the waves and started to go down. Remember also the time when Peter said, after Jesus was talking about uh, uh, his impending death, and Peter said, No, no, no. That is not going to happen to you. I'm going to protect you. And uh, what did he do? He denied him three times. Uh, Peter, like a lot of us who tend to be somewhat impetuous and spontaneous and are easily uh, excited for a project, we don't always have that that, follow-through, that stamina and endurance to actually finish all of the projects that we start. And Peter tended to be like that. But here in this chapter... Towards the end of his life, Peter has really grown in this area. He had, uh, throughout or between Jesus' resurrection and when he wrote this, we see Jesus again and again using Peter's spontaneity, his love for something new, his willingness to... Reach out and try something new. Uh, In the book of Acts, it was Peter at Pentecost who spoke up and answered the crowds and explained to them what was going on there. Remember, it was Peter who opened the way for these Jewish apostles to tell the gospel to the Gentiles, whose ancestors most of us are. And it was Peter who, in Acts chapter 15, defended the Apostle Paul's ministry uh, to the Gentiles before the the church council in Jerusalem. And here at the end of his life, Peter writes in verse 8, If you possess these qualities, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he's basically saying, if you have these qualities growing in your life, they will ena- it will enable you to finish well in your faith. This is Peter, the spontaneous, impetuous Peter, who often failed to follow through on what he started. And here he is encouraging his readers to finish well. I believe Peter has been practicing what he is encouraging us to do to allow these qualities like endurance perseverance self-control to grow in our life Peter is evidencing that he is being changed his negative Qualities are becoming less obvious. The positive characteristics, which are a reflection of God's own character, are becoming more and more dominant and obvious in his life. And he's saying, friends, God has given us his promises and his divine nature to do this very thing. Appropriate it. In closing, I want to just share a few uh, summary comments about God changing the life of Peter. The first is that God didn't wait for Peter to become perfect before he appointed him as an apostle. That's something most of us have a hard time doing. We like to... uh, Share our responsibility with people who are not going to fail. Jesus obviously didn't have this same value. He was willing to draw Peter in and allow him to work for him, even though he was still quite imperfect. God also used Peter in special ways because of his own uniqueness. God had made Peter the way he was, with strengths. And some of these strengths Peter had to develop so that they would actually be a strength and, a weak, and not a weakness. Thirdly, God didn't ask anything of Peter that he wasn't committed to help him be and do. Fourthly, God helped Peter grow into a better person, reflecting God's own character. And lastly, in spite of all of these changes, Peter remained Peter. He didn't become Paul. He didn't become John. He didn't become Andrew. He still remained Peter. And right till the end in this book, we still see the Peter who was in the Gospels. In today's text, this Peter is encouraging us to follow his example and grow with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made us each one different. We thank you that as you accepted us as your children, you also came to live within us through your Holy Spirit to help us live life. And each of our lives is important to you, each aspect of our life is important to you. And you want to live that with us. We pray that you would help us to grow, that our strengths would be magnified, that those aspects of our character that uh, trip us up, Father, that you would protect us from them and help us to uh, to overcome them. Thank you that uh, you don't leave us to our own devices to accomplish this. Thank you that you are with us and we can count on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to uh, end the service a little bit different today. I'm going to have the benediction before the last song. <clears throat> so if you will stand with me at this time for the benediction. I'm going to, uh, I want to send you into this week with uh, a few verses from the book of Hebrews.